so honored to be here. One of the proofs that God loves us, apart from sending Jesus, is that he gave Michael and Elizabeth to Louise and me as friends. And uh, when uh, we retired from London, I got off all boards except one, leading the way. We're on the European board, and I believe in this ministry with all my heart. And so honored to be back at Church of the Apostles and pray that uh, God will use me today. Uh, I miss you, Jonathan. I know you're watching. Uh, I pray for Isaac every day and let me know the name of the new one when he or she arrives. I probably know whether it's a boy or girl these days. Anyway, I want to read to you from Hebrews chapter 11, verses 5 and 6. And so it, we're told of Enoch. Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken up, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Well, may God be pleased to bless the reading and the preaching of this, his most holy and infallible word. Brief word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray now for the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus by your Spirit to rest upon every mind in order that their perception of what I say will be received as you intend. Cleanse my tongue that I will be your transparent instrument to say what needs to be said, nothing that doesn't need to be said. Help me to be clear, simple, and may this be a word that edifies everyone here and a word that brings great honor and glory to your name. I ask in Jesus' name, amen. I want to begin by sharing a personal story, very special to me, and you will see why. It's a story that my father told me many times as I grew up, and uh, it was when he and my mother were in Indianapolis, Indiana, and I'm from Kentucky. I hate to rub that in to you people. I realize that you can't help it, and I've got to keep that in mind. But I'm from Kentucky, but my parents, before I was born, my mother, with me in her womb, my dad and mother went to a church in Indianapolis, Indiana. And he was so taken by the sermon that he says he put his hand on my mother's tummy and said, Lord, let my son preach like this man. Well, he didn't know it was going to be his son, but it was. And I grew up hearing that story. Fast forward 18, 19 years later. I'm a student at Trevecca Nazarene College in Nashville, Tennessee. And we had to go to chapel every day. Uh, and uh, over the years, I heard her hundreds of sermons. There was only one that I remember. In all those years at Trevecca, only one. 
And it was a sermon by someone who preached on Hebrews 11, verse 5, that Enoch, before his translation, had this testimony that he pleased God. I was so moved by the sermon that I went to my dormitory, got on my knees, and said, God, help me to live a life that I will please you. In fact, I got on the phone and I said, Dad, I just heard a sermon today that has moved me. He said, who was the preacher? I said, a man by the name of C.B. Cox. He said, that was the pastor in Indianapolis, Indiana, before you were born, that I put my hand on your mother's tummy and said, Lord, make my son a preacher like this man. Well, <laughs> that story I grew up with. And this verse I've long been gripped by, but haven't really preached on it. And uh, Charles Spurgeon said, if a text gets a hold of you, chances are you have got a hold of it. And so this passage that Enoch had this testimony before he was translated that he pleased God. Some of you may remember a couple months ago that uh, His Royal Highness, the Duke of Edinburgh, uh, the husband of Her Majesty the Queen, passed away. And I watched the funeral. And at the end of the funeral, the Archbishop of Canterbury listed the honors given to the Duke of Edinburgh. And I think there were 11 or 12. And every single one of those honors, uh, nobody here could ever come up to. None, we will never get anything like it. And the thing that struck me, he was born to privilege. He was given those honors that nobody else could ever have. But it crossed my mind. I wonder if he thinks that that would help him in any way get to heaven. I don't know that he thought that. I wouldn't be surprised if he did. What I know is that this was regarded as so important they were praising him for these honors. Then I thought of the Apostle Paul and he referred to his own pedigree. Hebrews, uh, sorry, uh, Philippians chapter 3, verses 5 to 7, where Paul said, circumcised the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, blameless, but whatever, and as to zeal, per persecuted the church, what I counted as, a, as loss, uh, I now do that for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ. Well, Paul said, as for all these things, I count them Rubbish, rubbish. When you consider honors of the world, uh, what honor would you like to receive? Uh, I think of the Olympics at this moment, those that get a gold medal. What an honor. And uh, when you consider uh, a Nobel Peace Prize or a Pulitzer Prize or being uh, uh, the winner of a political office, or you strike it well financially, and you think of different things like that. At the end of your life, 
what will matter. And I cannot think of anything more wonderful than this. Enoch had this testimony before his translation that he pleased God. Doesn't say he pleased his parents. Sometimes that's hard to do. In fact, it was hard for me to do. My first report card back in Ashland, Kentucky was B's and C's. And my father said, son, you work a little harder, you can have all B's. I did. Had a report card with all B's. Then he said, son, maybe one day you'll get an A. I did. Then he said, maybe next time you'll have all A's and no B's. I did. And then one day the report card had it all A's. But on my way home, I was dreading one thing. A bunch of those A's were A minuses. <laughs> and what do you suppose my dad noticed? I could never come up to standard. But we're talking about something it's not out of reach. The commandments of the Lord are not grievous, said John. Enoch had this testimony that he pleased God. Doesn't say he pleased his friends. Sometimes that's hard to do. Doesn't say he pleased his wife. Sometimes that's hard to do. Even in 63 years. I, I was preaching in Northern Ireland. And a man came up to me after the service and said, Can I ask you a question? Sure. Can your wife be your enemy? I said, yeah. He said, thank you. <laughs> and then he came back and said, oh, by the way, I loved your book on unhappy marriage. I said, I didn't write a book on unhappy marriage. No, I didn't. You did. Then it hit me. In my book, Thorn in the Flesh, there's a chapter on unhappy marriage. That that could be your thorn in the flesh. He said, it changed my life. We don't know that Enoch pleased his parents, his friends, his wife. Doesn't say he pleased his enemies. Do you know what it is to have an enemy? And you work overtime. What can I do? <laughs> At Westminster Chapel, I had some enemies. One raised up of God. I guess it was God. To write against me. He would come to the service and take notes as I wrote. Waiting for that unguarded comment. And if I would make a statement. Oh, there you go. You got it. Write that down. If you try to please people like that, in fact, you know what it is to have somebody jealous of you? Who can stand before jealousy? And as for Enoch, it doesn't even say he pleased himself. Romans 15, 3, even Christ pleased not himself. What it does say, he pleased God. The grandest and greatest thing that can ever be said 
about a human being. And yet, it's a possible thing. By the way, Hebrews 11 is that chapter. We call it the faith chapter in the Bible. People did what they did by faith. Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Jephthah, on and on. They turned their world upside down by faith. But it's not a chapter telling you how to get to heaven. It's a chapter describing people who did great things by faith. And by the way, Hebrews is not written uh, to convert people. In fact, Hebrews 11 is not telling you how to be saved. Uh, the writer assumes everybody he's writing to. They're already saved. Chapter 3, verse 1, he calls them holy brethren. So what's the purpose? Well, he wants them to come to a higher level of knowing God. He refers to entering God's rest, chapter 4. In chapter 6, there's that subtle hint, the possibility that as God swore an oath to Abraham, he might swear an oath to you. Abraham, when he was willing to sacrifice Isaac, which seemed to be unreasonable to ask, but because God said it. Abraham actually was ready to sacrifice Isaac. And sometimes God may ask you to do something that makes no sense at the time. And in the same way, Abraham did this. He walked with God. Enoch walked with God. Two, in the book of Genesis, it says they walked with God. Abraham was a friend of God. Enoch pleased God. And they did it by faith. It's not the way you get to heaven. But they came into this assurance. And so Hebrews 11 is trying to encourage you and me to have a greater relationship with God. Uh, by the way, there are two kinds of faith. Saving faith and persistent faith. So saving faith is what enables you to be fit to go to heaven. Do you know for sure that if you were to die today, would you go to heaven? I ask you that. But then there's persistent faith. That's the kind of faith you have once you're converted. And persistent faith is what leads to a greater relationship with God. It's what will enable you to do what Enoch did. He pleased God. I wish, I so wish, that as that preacher years ago at Trevecca preached on this text, had the effect on me that I wanted to do that. Oh, I wish that somehow God would overrule everything I say and just speak with you and give you an ambition that has no natural explanation. But only God could do it. Only God could put a desire like that there. Or let me put this question to you. Which gives you more satisfaction? When God does things for you, 
when he pleases you or when you please him? Well, I think we'd all be honest and say we prefer that God pleases us. Sure. Answer our prayer. Give us the raise in pay. Uh, Give us that new friend, that breakthrough. Yes, we all want that. But I have been asking this question in recent years. Have you come to the place that you get satisfaction just knowing you please him? You see, we're living in the me generation. We're living in the what's in it for me society. Most theology today in Bible colleges and seminary, it's anthropology. It's what's in it for me, what's in it for man. Nobody asks what's in it for God. I would urge you to ask that question and consider getting your satisfaction from knowing you're pleasing Him. You say, R.T., how can I do this? Faith. By faith, by faith, Enoch, he walked with God, he pleased God. Faith. And that's it. You see, the only time ever that you have to please God is while you are alive. You can't do that after you get to heaven. You will not need faith in heaven. Everything will be clear. Everything will be real. But it's at this moment, this side of the judgment seat of Christ, that it's handed to you on a silver platter. You will not always have this opportunity just to please God. And verse 6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please Him. And this is what it's asking of you. Well, what does the writer say? Well, you believe that He is. You believe that He's the rewarder of them that seek Him. But have you stopped to thank God for the privilege of faith? You will not always have this privilege. And when we stand before God at the judgment seat of Christ, we give an account of the things done while in the body. That means on this earth, you can't do it after you get to heaven. These are the moments. And to show your gratitude to God, not because you're trying to earn points to get to heaven. No, we get to heaven by sheer grace, by the blood of Jesus. But as a thank you, For the doctrine of sanctification is the doctrine of gratitude. We say thank you, not only by telling him, but by living a life that honors him. And so ask you again, do you appreciate the privilege of faith? Well, the only way to please God is by faith. And then he mentions two things. The first may surprise you. I've thought about this a lot. Believe that he is. Well, I think, surely Christians don't need that. (laughs) That, That's an assumption. You believe that he exists? Why would the writer bother to say, you must believe that he is, that he exists? I'll tell you why. Whenever there's a trial and of some severity, 
and the devil comes in, he will immediately cause you to think, if there were a God, this wouldn't happen. It comes. You think, with this situation, God wouldn't let this happen. The devil comes right there. There's not a saint that doesn't have that thought. And that's why the writer says, well, these were discouraged Christians. These Hebrews, they were discouraged because friends were deserting the faith. Chapter 10, he says, don't give up the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. These saints had not seen vindication. They thought the temple would fall by then. And the temple was still standing. It's in the middle 60s when this is being written. And they're discouraged. And this is why the writer says, he that comes to God must believe that it is. Whatever else, don't give up knowing he's there. And though things go wrong, you can say with Job, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. I believe in him. I'm standing put. I will not turn back. I will not give up. You believe that he is. But there's more. It's not for nothing. And this may surprise you. You see, there are Christians, some of them, they, I think they're trying to be pious. I don't need to be motivated by reward as if that's beneath them. Don't be silly. This is the way we're wired. This is the way God made us. This is the way he created us. He does everything to us because he's appealing to what will... Please. Oh, brother. <laughs> Who's here from Providence, Rhode Island? Here's a letter from O.S. Hawkins. He's coming here in two weeks. He's an old friend. Um, don't be surprised if he preaches on Enoch had this testimony that he pleased God. That's just like O.S. I've taught him all he knows. I can't believe I did that. That's the worst mistake I've ever made. I turned this off, T.R. Oh, well. Thank you. Are you pleasing your husband? Do you like being judged? No. Jesus said, judge not, and you will not be judged. <laughs> Give, and it will be given to you. You see, we never outgrow wanting something back. This is the way we're made, and God appeals to you. And he that comes to God must believe that he is, and that he rewards those, and some translations put it, who diligently seek him. What does that mean? Well, there comes a time when just saying the Apostles' Creed, important though it is, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, you need more than that. There comes a time when you earnestly seek Him. These Hebrew Christians were discouraged, 
And this is a word today for someone. You could be in a trial as I speak. And it would not surprise me if there is someone here, you as I speak are in the greatest trial of your life. What does God say? Don't give up. Believe that he is, is, that he's a rewarder of those who don't give up, who diligently seek him. And so when you're in a great trial, know that God has allowed this for a purpose. Well, the way he attempts, he said to Jesus, if you're the son of God, trying to get him to doubt. He said to Eve in the Garden of Eden, has God said this? You see, the first onslaught of the devil is to get you to doubt, but he rewards those who diligently seek him. And never forget the bottom line of the book of Job. Job said, now I know no purpose of yours can be thwarted. And you will see that all that is happening is part of God's plan for you. And so with these Hebrew Christians, it turned out just a year later, the temple was destroyed. And it could be that what is about to happen, you think it's not going to happen and you give up just before. Don't. For God is never too late. He's never too early. He's always just on time. And so Enoch had this relationship with God. And I think, this is my speculation, that one day God looked at Enoch and said, Enoch, you know too much. Come up here with me. <laughs> well, the Duke of Edinburgh, I don't know whether he thought all those awards would help him. He was born to privilege most of us know nothing about that, but what we can say, we've been born again, and that's a work of the Holy Spirit, and when that happens to you, you realize it's what God did. You didn't ask for your birth. You didn't give your parents permission to have you, and so when you're born again, it's a work of the Spirit, and throughout eternity, you'll be aware that you don't deserve to be there in heaven. Some years ago, I was given an invitation from 10 Downing Street to meet uh, Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher. And uh, uh, I was asked to, to give a prayer at the Royal Albert Hall for some lawyers present, and, and it was a privilege to, to meet the Prime Minister. And then I noticed after having time with her, and uh, I was promised 15 minutes alone with just her, then after that, who do you suppose was waiting in the queue just to shake her hand? Listen to this. The Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, Warren Berger, Vice President Mondale, the Ambassador to St. James I mean, all these dignitaries, and all they did is to say, glad to meet you, Prime Minister. And I stood and just watched it. I thought, I've been with her. But then they said, we're going to take a photograph. I said, uh, well, okay, I'll, I'll get out of the way. 
And uh, no, Dr. Kennedy, well, you, you want me with this group? Yeah, well, I, there I am, and I posed. <laughs> I felt like a fraud. <laughs> but no, I didn't deserve it. And throughout eternity, we'll look at each other and say, how did you get here? <laughs> Martin Luther says, when I get to heaven, I expect three surprises. There'll be those that I didn't expect to be there. There will be those missing that I thought would be there. But the greatest surprise is that I'm there myself. And yet, not a surprise. It's by the grace of God. We're all aware it's what God did. Question. Have you been born again? Question. Do you know for sure that if you were to die today, would you go to heaven? And if you were to stand before God, you will. And he were to say to you, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? Pause a moment. Suppose it's the real thing, and you're being put with this question. Why should, in heaven, you get in? Why? There is a reason. Do you know the reason? And it should come to you by now. And if nothing comes to your mind, think again. Or if you're beginning to say, well, I've tried to do this. I've tried to do that. I would say, with all respect, no hope. I've got one hope of going heaven. And I'm going to share a prayer with you. If you have any doubt, I want you to pray this prayer. You can pray it in your heart. You don't need to say it out loud. But if you need to pray it, say it now. Lord Jesus, I need you. Tell him. I want you. I know I'm a sinner, and I'm sorry for my sins. Wash my sins away by your blood. I welcome your Holy Spirit into my heart. And as best as I know how, I give you my life. Did you pray that prayer? Are you ashamed that you prayed that prayer? Why do you ask, R.T.? Well, Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father. I'm going to do something that I don't think I planned on this before I came. But I doubt you thought it would happen. But if you just prayed that prayer, I wonder, in the next 10 seconds, if you're unashamed of it, you'll just stand up. You say, in front of all these people, yep. If you just prayed that prayer right now, stand to your feet. Thank you. Thank you. In some cases, this may have been recommitment. But if you've never confessed Christ before or prayed a prayer like that before, guess what? You've just been born again.
Goodbye. God bless you.